from this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We'll take this country and make it great again. We are engaged in an information war. We, we are in an information war, and we are losing that war. Everybody like hey. Are you ready to go? Welcome back to the America First podcast. This podcast is loved by patriots. It's loved by fans of America, hated by the globalists, and it's hated by the deep state. This podcast, as always, brought to you by we, the people of the United States, who, in order to form a more perfect union, elected Donald Trump president back in November Ladies and gentlemen, what a time to be alive. We got a big show for you today. We're going to be talking about some changes in the White House staff. We'll be talking about Reince Priebus. He's out as chief of staff. General John Kelly promoted. And Anthony Scaramucci, the star that burns brightest, burns out the quickest. He's gone. H.R. McMaster, some news on him today, maybe a little bit of a sabotage going on with him The inside the deep state. We also have our American Terrorist of the Week and a few more updates as well as some sports topics. A great UFC fight this past weekend. John Bones Jones uh, defeated Daniel Cormier. We'll talk a little bit about that. But we'll start things off by talking about how the Dow Jones, the uh, stock market, the largest stock market industry, uh, index, excuse me, closed at over 22,000 points for the first time ever on Wednesday. Uh, It went down a little bit on Thursday, but as they say, sell high, buy low. I said on the last podcast, it could continue to go up. We just don't know, but that's great news for the economy as President Trump continues to bring optimism, jobs, and wealth to our economy. Now, There's a little bit of what they call in the media palace intrigue going on in the White House. Former Chief of Staff Reince Priebus was fired after uh, former communications director Anthony Scaramucci called him a paranoid schizophrenic. He called him a paranoiac uh, in an interview with The New Yorker. Uh, So Priebus, this, this interview was released last Thursday. Priebus resigned on Friday. Scaramucci and uh, previous was replaced by General John Kelly, who was the Secretary of Homeland Security. He was in charge of the Department of Homeland Security. The General John Kelly, now the President's Chief of Staff, and his first move after he became Chief of Staff was to let go of the mooch. So Scaramucci, he made the fatal mistake of trusting a reporter. He apparently called a man named Ryan Lizza, a reporter for The New Yorker, which is a magazine or a paper in New York primarily. And he spoke to Lizza on the record, um, Scaramucci tweeting the the next day saying, I made a mistake in trusting a reporter. It won't happen again. Well, it cost him his job. He had some explosive quotes in The New Yorker interview, including one where he said, uh, quote, 
Uh, I'm not Steve Bannon. I'm not trying to suck my own cock. I'm not trying to build my own brand off the fucking strength of the president. I'm here to serve the country. So taking shots at uh, Priebus, as we said earlier, calling him a paranoid schizophrenic, taking shots at Bannon, saying that he's, uh, I guess, his, no, his number one fan. Uh, I'm a fan of Bannon. Bannon represents the nationalists in the White House. Uh, Scaramucci, we talked last time about him, whether he's a nationalist or a globalist or if he's somewhere in the middle. Well, it doesn't matter anymore as he uh, is gone. Uh, General John Kelly, the new chief of staff, made that his uh, first priority when he got the job was firing Scaramucci. Uh, Scaramucci's tenure as comm director lasted 10 days. It lasted a full 10 days. There were a lot of uh, stories that came out about Scaramucci during his 10 days, such as uh, he missed the birth of his son uh, on the Monday, the first Monday of his uh, job as the communications director on the job. He missed the birth of his son, and he texted his wife saying, I'll pray for our child. Um, that's dedication to the job, folks. His wife is also now divorcing him, so uh, send your prayers to the mooch. Um, he became almost like a cult figure outside of politics. People in popular culture uh, really love the mooch for his brass, brash uh, style way of saying things. And, uh, you know, I thought he would have lasted longer than 10 days, honestly, but hey— He's gone now. And General John Kelly, he knows how to run a tight ship. He's one of the many generals in the administration. Also, uh, another general inside the administration is a man named H.R. McMaster. And you might not know much about H.R. McMaster, but he is the national security advisor who took over after Michael Flynn was fired. So Michael Flynn, another general had been a surrogate for the Trump campaign for uh, many months since uh, before Trump earned the uh, GOP nomination last June. So uh, McMaster replaced Flynn after Flynn lied to uh, Vice President Mike Pence about his uh, contacts with the Russians. Apparently he gave a speech at an RT, a Russian television dinner and Putin was there. It was a whole big thing in the media, but Flynn was fired, not for his quote unquote collusion with the Russians, but for lying to Vice President Pence or not disclosing. Anyway, H.R. McMaster took over and I was a little uh, on the fence with McMaster. I didn't know much about him. I said, you know, he's one of the many generals Trump has around him. Let's see how he does. Well, it turns out he is a deep state operative. This story today coming from Breitbart.com. Headline, H.R. McMaster promised Susan Rice she could keep security clearance in secret letter. The story written by Charlie Spearing on August 3rd. Uh, president Donald Trump's national security advisor, H.R. McMaster, allowed former President Obama's National Security Advisor Susan Rice, the man who preceded, excuse me, the woman who preceded Flynn as National Security Advisor Susan Rice, to maintain her security clearance to access classified information despite reservations Trump had about her motives. 
McMaster sent an official letter to Rice informing her that she would maintain unfettered access to classified information. This, according to a report from Circa's Sarah Carter, the president was not aware of McMaster's actions, according to two senior White House officials and an intelligent official. Here's the letter from McMaster to Susan Rice. I'm going to read you the letter. It's on his stationery from the White House from Washington, signed by H.R. McMaster, Lieutenant General, United States Army, Assistant to the President for National Security Affairs. And this letter, I'll preface it a little bit. Susan Rice is supposedly responsible for unmasking Trump's and his campaign and his associates, his surrogates during the campaign and this is this. There's no legal basis for this. Um, Rice claiming that it's because he had contact with uh, foreign officials. Maybe we don't know why Susan Rice was doing it. Uh, President, former President Obama had relaxed the uh, guidelines and the requirements for unmasking uh, data. And when I say unmasking, what I mean is there's data that shows contact was made with, let's say, an Israeli intelligent source by an American. So because that's a foreigner, then the U.S. government does have a right to look at that communication under FISA courts. And even the FISA courts ruled that the Obama administration went well beyond the spirit and the letter of the law by all this unmasking. Uh, It's a whole uh, very underreported uh, scandal that the Obama administration was really uh, going against the spirit and the letter of the law. Anyway, here is what H.R. McMaster said to Susan Rice, who again is accused of exploiting her uh, powers as national security advisor to harm the Trump campaign to benefit the Hillary Clinton campaign last year. Dear Susan, The National Security Council Security Office has informed me you have an active, top-secret, sensitive, compartmented information clearance sponsored by the NSC and maintained by the Office of Administration's Personnel Security Office. Going forward, the NSC will continue to work with you to ensure the appropriate security clearance documentation remains on file to allow you access to classified information. Since the NSC maintains your clearance, you also can contact the NSC security officer to pass your security clearance to other agencies and the private sector if necessary. Pursuant to Section 4.4 of Executive Order 13.526, quote, access by historical researchers and certain former government personnel, end quote, I hereby waive the requirement that you must have a need-to-know to access any classified information contained in items you, quote, originated, reviewed, signed, or received while serving as National Security Advisor. This decision is based on my determination, one, that such access is consistent with the national security interests of the United States, and two, that appropriate steps have been taken to protect classified information from unauthorized disclosure or compromise and to ensure that the information you access is safeguarded in a manner consistent with EO 13526. If you have any questions, please uh, seek assistance from the NSC Director for Security. The name of that person is blocked out and the number. Sincerely, H.R. McMaster, Lieutenant General, United States Army, Assistant to the President for National Security Affairs. So the Breitbart article goes on to say, uh, 
As Bloomberg's Eli Lake reported, McMaster also concluded that Rice did nothing wrong by unmasking Trump transition officials. Rice celebrated the exit of former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn and welcomed Trump's decision to hire McMaster. This is from Rice on Twitter. Congrats to Lieutenant General McMaster. I wish you every success as National Security Advisor. Hope you will be able to choose your team, have direct reporting and daily access to POTUS and can eliminate strategic initiatives group. So many people are saying that this is basically treason by McMaster, uh, colluding with the enemy. At the very least, you know, the opposition being the Obama administration officials that were hostile and uh, using their power to usurp Trump's power, try to undermine Trump and his team as he transitioned into the White House in January, December, after the election in November. So at the very least, I'm not going to say it's treason, but I will say that McMaster, H.R. McMaster, General McMaster needs to be fired as soon as possible by the president if he wants us to take his nationalist agenda seriously. McMaster, clearly globalist, clearly in cahoots with Susan Rice, with former Obama officials. There are also reports on Breitbart that H.R. McMaster kept a lot of Obama holdovers and a lot of people that worked for Ben Rhodes. Now, who is Ben Rhodes, you may ask? Ben Rhodes is another former uh, security advisor for President Obama, former President Obama. And he actually, let me pull up the story, make sure I get it right here. Here we go. Former Obama aide Ben Rhodes is now a person of interest in the unmasking investigation. This from Circa.com, written by an excellent reporter, Sarah Carter. She's doing a great job. She's on Hannity uh, most nights of the week, breaking this down. Uh, the story says former Obama White House Deputy National Security Advisor Ben Rhodes is now emerging as a person of interest in the House Intelligence Committee's unmasking investigation, according to a letter sent Tuesday by the committee to the National Security Agency. This adds Rhodes to the growing list of top Obama government officials who may have improperly unmasked Americans in communications intercepted overseas by the NSA, Circa has confirmed. The House Intelligence Committee Chairman Devin Nunez, a Republican from California, sent the letter to the NSA requesting the number of unmaskings made by Rhodes from January 1st, 2016 to January 20th, 2017, according to congressional sources who spoke with Circa. Rhodes, who worked closely with former NSA Susan Rice, National Security Advisor Susan Rice, and was a former Deputy National Security Advisor for Strategic Communications for President Obama, became a focus of the committee during its review of classified information to assess whether laws were broken regarding NSA intercepted communications of President Trump, members of his administration, and other Americans before and after the election, according to congressional officials. The committee is requesting that the NSA deliver the information on Rhodes by August 21st. And Rhodes is a sketchy guy to begin with. He's responsible for a couple of major calamities in the last few years of the Obama administration, some real black marks. Number one is the two big ones were Iran and Cuba, longtime enemies of the United States. Ben Rhodes befriended, got in bed with the Iranians. He's responsible for the Iran deal, which sent uh, freed up $1.2 billion in frozen cash and currency 
um, from around the world to give to Iran. $400 million of that $1.2 billion was shipped in to Iran in the dark of night in foreign currencies because the U.S. Constitution doesn't allow for us to give U.S. currency to state sponsors of terrorism. Iran is the biggest state sponsor of terrorism in the world. And Ben Rhodes later went on to brag to uh, his, I, I don't even remember who it was too, but it came out in the media that he was bragging about being able to fool the Mideast reporters so easily who didn't know anything about the uh, technicalities of the Iran deal. He's also responsible for this ridiculous Cuba deal. If you remember, uh, former President Obama was traveling to Cuba. He was opening up Cuba to uh, travel, to vacation, to businesses, partnering with the communist Castro regime. Raul Castro was still in charge in Cuba, and he was at the time. And Obama went down there and shook his hand, and Raul Castro tried to raise up Obama's arm, saying, look, we're friends. Obama, of course, if you remember the photo, his hand went limp, or the video, his arm went limp. It's a very telling piece of video it uh, pretty perfectly sums up the obama administration as a whole but anyway that's just a couple of things that uh, a couple of scandals ben rhodes has been a part of that have been vastly underreported so and that in this whole thing about him being uh, called to congress uh, as a person of interest in the unmasking investigation he was on capitol hill last week but you didn't hear anything about it because the, all the media wants to talk about are the Republicans going to Capitol Hill. Like it happened the same day Jared Kushner was giving um, off the record or uh, 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 not under oath, behind closed doors, uh, interview with c- Congress as well. So keep an eye on Ben Rhodes and Susan Rice as the House Intelligence Committee investigation into their unmasking of President Trump, then President-elect Trump and candidate Trump and his transition team and his surrogates and his campaign team. Keep an eye on the on those two names as we go into the future. And we'll be right back with our American Terrorist of the Week. It is another Democrat employee, this one of Debbie Wasserman Schultz, the former DNC chairwoman. The better and better they live. That applies to this week's American terrorist of the week. His name is Imran Awan. I-M-R-A-N-A-W-A-N. Imran Awan. This guy was Debbie Wasserman Schultz's uh, tech guy. She w- he was the IT guy for Debbie Wasserman Schultz who's the former head of the DNC. She had to resign in disgrace last summer after the WikiLeaks revealed that she colluded with the Clinton campaign to take the take any opportunity of winning the DNC winning the Democratic nomination away from Bernie Sanders. So this story comes to us from the Daily Caller and it's uh, it's a, it's an it's a, a very dense story. It was published on July 30th 
uh, by Luke Rosiak, an investigative reporter for the Daily Caller. And here's the thing about Imran Awan. He's a congressional aide, so he didn't just work for Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who is still in the House of Representatives. She's a representative from Florida. But he worked for the entire, all of the Democrats in the House of Representatives. He worked for all of them as their IT guy. So he was arrested trying to flee the country at Dulles Airport in D.C. He was arrested by the FBI uh, under, uh, I believe, bank fraud after wiring $300,000 to Pakistan and misrepresenting the purpose. He had previously wired money to the country and was frantically liquidating multiple real estate properties on the day he was arrested. He was paid $4 million by Debbie Wasserman Schultz and the DNC and the Democrats in Congress. Um, he sold mul- multiple homes in uh, Virginia, including one for $618,000, another for $200,000 just a week before he was arrested, less than a week. A third home owned by his wife was sold to his brother-in-law, put sold in quotation marks as the caller does for the Daily Caller, for $360,000 on June 20th. And in November 2016, a fourth home owned by his wife was sold to his brother for $620,000. Uh, in both cases, those last two, the bank financed nearly all of the purchase. So, um, Awan, he's out on uh, bond now. Authorities released him with a GPS monitor and confiscated his passport as he was on his way to Pakistan. His wife's still in Pakistan. And uh, this guy just, just stinks to high heaven. Like, what is he hiding? There's uh, rumors, reports that he was actually with former, now deceased, Democratic National Committee data analyst Seth Rich on the night Seth was murdered. Did he set him up? Did Awan set him up? I don't know. But this just raises so many questions. The Democrats, all they want to talk about is this supposed collusion between Trump and Russia, a foreign government, where the Democrats and Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who's the former chairwoman of the Democratic National Committee, is paying $4 million to a Pakistani national to look after her computers and her IT equipment and all of her technical gear, all of her computers, all of her hard drives, all of her servers. One of the houses that Awan and his brother owned was that he hastily left earlier this year was rented by a uh, Marine and his wife who found leftover hard drives and government computer equipment in the house. And so that was turned over to the police, which is what kind of set off this chain of events to get him uh, arrested as he was trying to flee the country. And there's another uh, little twist to this story. Debbie herself, uh, Debbie Blabbermouth Schultz, as Rush Limbaugh hilariously likes to call her, threatened and harassed the chief of police of the Capitol Police over a missing laptop. We'll play that clip for you now. And then lastly... I'd like to know how Capitol Police handle um, equipment that belongs to a member or a staffer that's been lost within the Capitol complex and found or recovered by one of your officers. What happens? Sure. Well, it's processed on, on, on what's called a PD-81, which is a, which is a, uh, a, a property record. And depending on the property, depending on how it's, if you can legitimately uh, determine ownership, then uh, it's generally turned back over to the, to the owner of the property. If there's if if it's part of uh, of an ongoing case, then there are other things that have to occur for that to happen. So, if a member says that they have equipment that's been lost and you find it, it would be returned to the member. In the general sense, yes. Okay. It has to, you have to identify. You have to be able to positively identify a property and be able to establish 
ownership. Right, and, and if, if ownership is established. If it's part of an ongoing case, then there are additional things that need to be done. But if the member owns the equipment and there is no ongoing case related to that member, then the equipment is supposed to be returned. Right, in, 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 in a general sense, yes. If no, I mean in a specific sense. If the member loses the equipment, says they lose the equipment, and it is found by the Capitol Police, it is supposed to be returned. If ownership has been established, right. it will be returned. If it's subject uh, to an ongoing investigation, there are additional things okay. that need to be turned But over. not an ongoing investigation related to the member. If the equipment belongs to the member, it has been lost, they say it's been lost and it's been identified as that member's, and the Capitol Police is supposed to return it, correct? Well, it's not a, I can't give a yes or no answer on that because I know It's a simple yes or no answer. Well, if you lose, if if I, if a member loses the equipment yes, and it is found by the Capitol Police or your staff, and it is identified as that member member's equipment, and the member is not associated with any case, and that is their equipment, it is supposed to be returned. Yes or no? Depends on the circumstances, uh, and if the circumstances. I, are, I I don't understand how that's possible. The member's equipment is member's equipment. It is not. It is not. It, under my understanding, the Capitol Police is not able to confiscate member's equipment when the member is not under investigation. It is their equipment and it's supposed to be returned. Well, I think there's extenuating circumstances in this case and I think I think that, you know, working through my counsel and, um, you know, the necessary personnel, if, if that in fact is the case and with the permission of, through the investigation, then we'll return the equipment. But until that's accomplished, I can't return the equipment. I think you're violating the rules when you when you conduct your business that way and should expect that there will be consequences. I yield back. Sorry about the audio there. That's as loud as we could get it. But as you hear Debbie Wasserman Schultz, she really wants that computer back from Capitol Police, but they won't give it to her because of extenuating circumstances. Now, we don't know what those extenuating circumstances are. We don't know what's on that computer. But we know that Debbie doesn't want the Capitol Police to see it, and she wants her equipment back going so far as to threaten the Capitol Police with consequences for their actions. I don't know. That seems a little threatening to me. And uh, also, uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, she's uh, on a committee that determines the funding for the Capitol Police. They answer to this committee. So she's uh, very much holding her power over the heads of the Capitol Police. And for that reason and many more, Imran Awan and his former employer, because Debbie didn't fire him until he was after he was arrested while trying to flee the country at Dulles Airport to go to Pakistan. Imran Awan is our American terrorist of the week and his former boss, Debbie Wasserman Schultz. short period of time last week, Jeff Bezos, founder of Amazon.com and owner of the Washington Post, 
became the richest man in the world with a net worth of over $90 billion. Bezos passing Bill Gates for a brief amount of time before the Amazon stock came down, putting Gates back ahead. Uh, this story is from July 17th. Hearing so- USA Today headline, Hearing Sought to Air Amazon Whole Foods Antitrust Issues. Of course, Amazon bought Whole Foods not long ago, and they are Amazon, they're up there with Google and Apple as really close to uh, just taking over the world. And so that's why I say there needs to be antitrust action taken against Amazon. And representative, Democrat representative from Rhode Island, David Cicilline, agrees with me. A congressman concerned about potential antitrust and competition in the Amazon Whole Foods deal wants the House to hold a hearing on the issue. U.S. Representative David Cicilline, Democrat from Rhode Island, has written to Representative Bob Goodlatte, a Republican from Virginia, who is the Judiciary Committee chairman, and Tom Marino, Republican from Pennsylvania, chairman of the Subcommittee on Regulatory Reform, Commercial, and Antitrust Law, urging them to look into Amazon's bid to buy Whole Foods for $13.7 billion. Without, this is a quote from Cicilline, without taking a position on the legality of the transaction under current antitrust laws, Amazon's proposed acquisition of Whole Foods raises important questions concerning competition policy. Wrote Cicilline, among the issues he cites are how the transaction will affect the future of retail grocery stores, whether it will impede innovation, and if the antitrust laws are working effectively. 43% of all online U.S. retail sales in 2016 went through Amazon, according to Slice Intelligence, a digital commerce research firm. Hedge fund manager Douglas Cass, president of Seabreeze Partners Management, has written that he's shorting Amazon shares out of concern over what's brewing in Washington. Cicilline is the ranking Democrat on the House Judiciary Subcommittee on Regulatory Reform, Commercial, and Antitrust Laws. He writes, I have heard concerns that the combination of Amazon's competitive advantages in terms of size, consumer reach, and ability to absorb losses may discourage innovation and entrance into emerging markets such as grocery, and food delivery. His other worries include lower wages for workers and technology displacing workers. And that is a real concern. Uh, So global data retails analysis finds Whole Foods has only 1.2% of the grocery market and Amazon less than 1%. In contrast, Walmart has 14% and Kroger 7%. Amazon share is bigger when looking at only online grocery sales, a small chunk of the overall grocery market. Amazon's piece jumps to roughly 20%, according to Slice Intelligence. Uh, Mari Stark, Stuckey, a University of Tennessee law professor, questioned whether the Whole Foods acquisition would increase Amazon's clout in the marketplace and stifle competition. He said, quote, antitrust laws are built on the deconcentration of power. The United States historically has been suspect of concentrated economic power, just as it's suspect of concentrated political power. Now, of course, there is concentrated political power, the globalist in Washington and, and on Wall Street. They also have that concentrated economic power on Wall Street, as does Amazon. You know, you, you listen to me and you hear me. I'm a big, I'm a pro-Trump guy. I'm a big Trump supporter, big league Trump supporter. But I'm not a Republican. I consider myself independent, uh, unaffiliated with either party. 
And so this is one area where I agree with the Democrat Cicilline. And Trump has actually spoken out on Twitter, too, about Amazon and uh, how they are uh, forming a monopoly uh, over Internet sales. Um, So keep an eye out for that. Uh, Antitrust laws are important to this country. If you look back uh, to the turn of the 20th century, Standard Oil was broken up by uh, antitrust laws. If you look back to the turn of the 21st century in the late 90s, Microsoft was broken up by antitrust laws, which is what has allowed for other companies such as Amazon, Google, Apple to thrive in the online marketplace. So I'm actually kind of surprised that the Democrats, at least one Democrat here, just, you know, let's keep it in check. This is just one Democrat. But I'm I'm surprised that any Democrat would be willing to speak out against Amazon since Jeff Bezos owns Amazon, owns the Washington Post, the newspaper. And the Washington Post has been very anti-Trump, very pro-Democrat. So a lot of moving parts with the Amazon Whole Foods acquisition and the antitrust law. So uh, recording this on a Thursday night, President Trump just got done speaking in Huntington, West Virginia. He gave a powerful speech, uh, hitting some of his familiar notes about how whether we're white, black, brown, yellow, we all bleed the same red blood of patriots. Uh, he, He sent some tweets earlier today. Business is looking better than ever with business enthusiasm at record levels. Stock market at an all-time high. That doesn't just happen. And he said, he continued, I am continuing to get rid of costly and unnecessary regulations. Much work left to do, but effect will be great. Business and jobs will grow. His third tweet of the day, our relationship with Russia is at an all-time low and very dangerous low. You can thank Congress, the same people that can't even give us health care. So, yeah. Congress decided in a bipartisan manner to send a, a bill to the president's desk, which he signed earlier this week about uh, sanctions, more sanctions toward Russia. Um, so it seems like uh, Congress and, and President Trump, he called the law very flawed and uh, said it took away some power from the executive branch. So uh, and also it imposed sanctions on Iran and North Korea as well. But Russia was the big fish that Congress was was looking for there. Uh, I'm not sure completely why President Trump signed it, probably as a PR to save face. Uh, so it didn't look like he was being too friendly with Russia. So we'll have to see uh, how that goes. And also Russia kicked out uh, 725 uh, U.S. diplomats, embassy workers. Gonna knock him out like fight night. That could apply to President Trump versus Hillary Clinton in the debates. But for now, we're talking about the UFC 214 fight over the weekend where John Bones Jones knocked out Daniel Cormier. In the third round with a, fl- with a uh, head kick, uh, just amazing head kick. Um, put him on the, on the, in the octagon, put him on the mat, started pummeling him. I thought the uh, referee was late on the call. Took a little bit longer than I would have liked for him to call the fight, but it was a great fight. A great night of fights with the exception of the Tyron Woodley fight, which was very boring. The fans were actually booing them out of the arena. But... Uh, in the undercard, in the very undercard that was only available on the UFC Fight 
Pass uh, channel was a Russian lady named Alexandra Albu, and she just dominated. Like, you know, if you watch the Cyborg, the lady Chris Cyborg was fighting um, on the undercard between the Woodley and the Bones Jones fight. And that was just like a bully match where she just bullied, bullied, bullied him. But the Albu fight was very closely contested. That was the fight of the night, I thought, until the uh, Bones Jones Cormier fight. But, uh, you know, John Bones Jones, he's been through a lot legal troubles, drug addictions, rehab. Uh, he had actually beaten Cormier the first time they fought, but the win was stripped from him because he failed a drug test. So they gave the win to Cormier. He had the undefeated record, but Bones beat him head-to-head. So they had the rematch, and Bones comes through and hits him with the, the kick, the head kick knockout. Great fight. I can't wait. For the Floyd Mayweather Conor McGregor fight, there won't be any head kicks in that one, we think, but it should be a great one. August twenty sixth, that's the night of the fight, the McGregor Mayweather Rumble in Las Vegas. And uh, while we're on the topic of sports, let's talk about the NFL. Training camp is in full swing as uh, the as I'm recording this. Actually, Dallas Cowboys and the Arizona Cardinals are playing in the Hall of Fame game. And the big controversy this week is should Colin Kaepernick get a spot on a team? Does he deserve to be a backup quarterback or is he too much of a distraction? Well, I say he's certainly too much of a distraction and he doesn't want to put America first. He won't even kneel for the national anthem. Which that gets that really gets me upset. Uh, I would certainly uh, stop going to games. I'd probably stop watching games if my team signed him. But uh, the Baltimore Ravens apparently are interested in him. Uh, head coach John Harbaugh uh, wants to sign him, but he's and also GM Ozzie Newsom, former tight end for the Cleveland Browns. But owner Steve Biscotti does not want Kaepernick on the team, which is a feeling shared by most, if not all, owners in the league. There was talk of the Seattle Seahawks signing him earlier in the offseason. That never came to fruition. And Seahawk, current Seahawk Richard Sherman actually spoke uh, earlier this week about how um, he thinks Kaepernick deserves a spot on a team and how uh, you know he didn't break any laws or anything. Well, here's what I'll say about that. Colin Kaepernick, yes, he is being blackballed, okay, and for good reason. If you want to protest perceived injustices, do it in your own time. Don't do it on the football field, and don't disrespect the American flag, the flag that is a symbol of this country which gives you the right to protest those perceived injustices and gives me the right to sit here and speak to you on this podcast. So... That's what I have to say about Kaepernick. If you don't like it, leave. If you don't like this country, if you don't respect this flag, find a better country for you then. Find one that suits you a little better. Maybe Canada. Maybe there's some other ones out there. But this is the United States of America. And when that flag is being flown on the field and that national anthem is being played, you respect the anthem. You put your hand over your heart. Maybe you close your eyes and you say a prayer. And you just thank God for this beautiful country and this the freedom and thank the soldiers that have fought to to give us this freedom because freedom is not free and it's important to respect the soldiers and the troops that put their lives on the line every day and uh, to defend this country and to keep us safe from 
from enemies foreign and domestic. And hopefully we can get some of these domestic enemies out of office and drain the swamp. That's what President Trump needs to be doing. Fire H.R. McMaster. Let's drain the swamp. And I'm about out of breath and I'm about out of time. So I just want to say thank you again for listening to the America First podcast. We've hit uh, big, greater viewer, uh, greater listen, listenership. Uh, we've had more listeners than I thought we would get. So I want to say thank you to everyone who's been listening. Thank you to everyone who's been clicking and who has been supporting the America First podcast. Uh, I'm going to be getting a second microphone soon. Going to be having some of my friends and uh, some experts, uh, maybe even some government workers as guests. We're going to be interviewing them in the coming months. So the America First podcast is on its way up, 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 just like the Trump administration. And there, there's not going to be any impeachment, folks. If you really buy that, I got some swamp land I can sell you for a good price. All right, I got a bridge in Brooklyn I'll sell you. I got some desert land out in New Mexico I'll sell you. Anyway, I'm rambling. Thank you again for for listening to the America First podcast. Uh, Find me on Twitter at Infinite101010, at Infinite101010. And as always, from this day forward, it's only America First.